You're listening to the Rizzolian Isles Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jay. In this episode, we're going to recap Season 3, Episode 5 of Rizzolian Isles, Throwing Down the Gauntlet. So it opens up to a crime scene. Well, we don't know it's a crime scene yet, but she's in the main... This, this girl's in the main first scene, so you know she's dead. She's examining some kind of armor, and a guy walks up to her, and she's like, she turns to him like she knows him, and then he kills her. Yep. Pushes her down some stairs, and then she's dead, and he drags her body away. And then we go to Mara's house. And so Angela is watching a video on YouTube of a man running for Congress, and she's a supporter. Like, she has, like, decorations and has a T-shirt of Matt Gruger or McGregor. Yeah, McGregor. And she's, yeah, McGregor and everything. And she just have clutter and stuff. And so Mara is like on the opposite side while like Andrew's cheering. She's like, I'm so sorry. Mara's like, oh, that's okay. And Andrew's like, yeah, he's really, he's trying to do something with school lunches. I don't remember exactly. He's trying to make sure they're like healthy school lunches. While this is going on, Jay walks in and noticed, I just, just noticed she walks in, and on her right hand are some keys, which makes me think, <laughs> of course, Jane would have a key to Mara's house. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Her mother lives with Mara now. I think she already ha- she always had the key. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, she did just walk right in on that in that episode, even though the door was unlocked. I think she unlocked it. I'm serious. They don't really stress it a lot, but it seems like a lot of times, even in season two, like Jane just walks in. Because Jane has the key, and she unlocks the door, and she doesn't lock it back. Don't know, I guess she's like, I got a gun, so if anything happens. But, <laughs> anyway. I don't know, though, but it's it's Boston. I mean, obviously, Mara lives in a good part of town. I mean, look at that house. Does she really need to lock her door? Yes! I know people that don't lock their doors when they're home like that. I mean, when they go to bed at night, yeah, they'll lock their doors, but when you get home from work or, or whatnot, you don't lock your door immediately. Uh, she should be the, she should have 20 locks, especially <laughs> if she's the daughter of a mob boss and the whole freaking world knows about it. Yeah, but we've conveniently forgotten about that. Apparently, I mean, we've forgotten that apparently there was people out to get Patty that wanted to hurt him by hurting Mora. I mean, they've suddenly disappeared or changed their mind or somehow grown a heart of gold. Jane complains to Angela about the mess she made because she has glitter. She's like, that's hard to pick up. And I'm like, that is true. Yeah. No, Angela says the glitter is festive. <laughs> and Jane, Jane says it's also hard to clean up. Yes. I mean, of course she would complain about her mess, uh, the mess that she made. It's her kitchen. I mean, it's Mars' kitchen. I'm sorry. It's not Jane. She totally doesn't live there. So Jane starts, like, digging into, like, the packages that Mar has. <laughs> like, scuba gear and, like, Outback safari gear (laughs) yeah she puts on like a safari helmet with a net on it she starts teasing it like with the shoes and everything she's like why are you buying all this stuff and mara's like i i need it and saying i'm gonna take scuba lessons i'm gonna get certified and what is with mara and jane and like when something happens they have to buy a lot of shit (laughs) i don't know mara likes to buy things to soothe her aching heart Jane calls Mara. She goes, what are you, James Cameron? And then at least he's certified. (laughs) Which, if you don't know, James Cameron does a lot of deep ocean diving kind of stuff with 
one-man submarines and, and all that stuff. So That's insane. Because Jay didn't know that. I don't know how I know that, but I've known that for a while. You're such a nerd. That's why. I'm not a nerd. I, I know that James Cameron does deep-sea stuff, and I know that Avatar 2 is supposed to take place like in the oceans of that world that they were on. I guess that's how I knew. I just know. Thanks for spoiling Avatar with me. Yeah, just oh, whatever. That's not fucking spoiling it. That's telling you what the premise of the story is going to be. <laughs> not spoiling it. Spoiling it would be, oh, and this character comes in and he dies. <laughs> at the end. Anyway, Giovanni walks in with another, with one of, he, she, he's helping Mar with one of the packages. And even Jane's like, what are you buying a surfboard? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I know, it was huge. What was in that anyway? Did they ever say? No, they never said. Giovanni is immediately like, oh, that's hot. <laughs> Mara in the safari hat. You look hot. Yeah, and Mara's like, I'm going to take this off, like, right now. <laughs> and he's like, you too, Jane. You look hot. Yeah, he's like, totally hot. And then he says, like, so uh, if you guys ever want to switch teams, and Jane's like, uh, not on your team. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know. That was awesome. But did you realize Angela didn't say anything about Giovanni going, Oh, if you guys ever switch or decide to bat for the other team, Angela didn't say a single thing. No, she did not. I noticed that too, and I was just like, she's not saying anything. Okay, either, either this is here's the reasons. Okay, one, maybe she didn't hear him. That could have happened. She was right there. Wait, just listen. Two, this is the same person who didn't even know what a badge bunny was. She probably don't even know what switching teams mean. Okay, I guess, I guess I could buy that. She would think it was an actual baseball reference rather than an other reference. Exactly. So Giovanni, like, he takes off, like, he, he had this, uh, the car shop, like, jumpsuit on, and he... And yeah, it. he unzips it. He unzips it, and it has, like, a shirt, and on the shirt it says... You want this dude. No, it says you want this dud. Yeah, but instead of dude, it's it's about D-U-D, dud. Yeah, and so... <laughs> That's what Jane's like, you want this dud? He's like, it's dude, D-U-D. And then... Yeah, he's like, it's dude, Jane. D-U-D, dude. <laughs> he says it with, like, so much conviction. Like, duh. And yeah, just, like, it's D-E-D, dead. And what you, I knew that. I knew that. And they're like, it's D-E-A, dude. No, but the funny thing about it, the faces on Jane and Mars, like, they, their face is like, oh, wow. <laughs> I know. So Giovanni tells Angela, like, oh, you look hot. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Riz, you look hot. <laughs> so hot. So hot. You hot. look hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think Giovanni represents fans of the show. <laughs> He's everybody. What's up, Corsac? You look hot. You look hot. Hey, Frank A. You look hot. What's up, Sister Bitcher? You look hot. You look hot. Because <laughs> think about it. Giovanni is us. Because if Sasha and Angie came in front of us, we'd be like, you look hot. You look so hot. And then we'd be like, I want to lick your face. <laughs> We're Giovanni. That's probably why we like him so much. Hey, did you see that picture of Angie on uh, Twitter? She looks hot. She looks hot. She looks hot. Hot. Did you see that photo shoot with Sasha? Yeah. She looks hot. She looks hot. <laughs> You're so hot. <laughs> she looks hot. That's hot. That's hot. Angela is saying, she threatens him and stops. She's like, if you don't stop this whole hot thing, I'm going to tell your mother that you called me. Uh, he's like, don't tell my mom. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> and 
And that's when Jane figures it out, like, oh, I get it, out of the blue. Um, the reason why you're buying all this stuff because you're thinking about your biological mother. Yeah. What? That's a great leap that you can take randomly. How does buying Safari Africa stuff relate to she found hope? I don't know. I guess what they were trying to do, they were like, how are you going to put hope in this, in this equation? They didn't have to have that part at all. They could just been like, I don't know, something with the case and or something where or maybe maybe they just see Mara just researching about hope, like actually researching about hope, which we'll get to that later. But the whole like, oh, this is the reason why is sort of like, what? OK, we'll go with it. But anyway, Mara denies it. And she's saying she doesn't want to find her. And then Jane gets a phone call about the crime scene, of course, because that's all her phone is good for is crime scenes where the body was found is close to a zoo. And so Giovanni's like, oh, you're going to the zoo? That's cool. And then Jane's like, teases Giovanni's like, oh, yeah, is your family there? <laughs> and then Angela scolds Jane, and Jane leaves, and Giovanni's like, she's so funny and hot. <laughs> she's so funny and hot. <laughs> Every time. And it's, oh, God. At first when Giovanni was like that i was like oh my god this guy is such a doofus but now i just can't help but love him i know not to mention i mean he was on our another show that we liked and i was like oh my god that's giovanni we flipped out i know he was on united states of Terra, and he was so normal the actor does such a good job playing giovanni because he was also on ringer which unfortunately was canceled but he he also played a different, an entirely different character on that show. And I was like, oh my god, this actor is really talented. Because he, he has more of a Boston accent in Brazilian Owls, but in any other show, it's like regular normal. Well, I think they have to have some kind of coach, because Angie Harmon has a Boston accent. No, she does not have a Boston accent. She does. When she's talking, do, have, I've heard it. I've heard it come out, and I'm like, and I catch it. And and I'm wondering to myself, how the heck does she keep a Boston accent while she's acting? That's crazy. Well, the one, uh, well, the one who plays Frankie does too, and the brothers, yeah. all of them actually, except for Mara and Frost. Yeah, and none of them are from Boston, so they have to have somebody who's coaching them. Someone asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> the Rizzoli Con. Someone asked that question at Rizzles Con. To any of them, do they have a dialect coach? That's a good question. You see, I gave you a question. You were you were going there. You're like, I have no question to ask any of the talent that's there. Now you have a question. I'll even I'll I don't even have to give me credit. Yeah, just ask the question because we really want to know. We head to the crime scene, and Jane and Mara they're still talking about Hope. And just the funny thing about it is she's like, Mara's like, I don't want to talk about Hope. I don't want to talk about her. And she starts talking about, but she's talking about Hope and like, oh uh yeah, sh- why would I care about a woman who's unwed who's in pre-med and fell in love with this mobster and jane's like well that's more interesting than my mom who stuck with a plumber and married him yeah <laughs> oh but then we also finally get a one-liner about patty doyle five episodes later i know <laughs> he is awaiting in he's awaiting incarceration or something like that what do they say yeah he's being trialed for 15 murders i know when that happened i was like huh they remembered Patty Doyle. Ain't that something? And then even Jane's like, no, he's not your father. He's the sperm donor, remember? Hmm. Who's she trying to convince here? 
how many times do you have to say that and Mara's like no that's my dad anyway yeah exactly <laughs> she keeps calling him her father ugh anyway after the sperm door thing she, she was saying that you know Hope was told that she was dead at birth and she doesn't want to know anything about her and then Jane like pushes Mara to the dumpster she's like oh, you're lying and she's like and I, she's like, you're going to break out in hives. You do. You've researched your mom. You're lying. And then Mara's like, sells the truth and is like, yes, I did some research on Hope. There's no big de- It's not a big deal. And uh, that's when Frost and Corsac comes along and tells Jane and Mara info about the victim. And that's when they find her in her dumpster. All right. So there's a body in the dumpster. You tell her something wrong with the hands. But Mara <laughs> starts undressing. And I'm like, what the what? What is she doing? <laughs> And she takes off her jacket, and she starts putting on this white suit. And she's like, so glad I brought my Tyvek suit. And Jane's just like, oh, shoot, I forgot mine. <laughs> and Corsac's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so she puts the suit on, but she didn't, did she take her shoes off, or did she leave her shoes? I didn't get a good look at her shoes. Did she have heels on? What kind of shoes did she put in that suit? I know, in a dumpster. I know. So, I'm just saying. Does she technically have to go into the dumpster? I don't. She's the medical examiner. Yeah, but the scene didn't last that long. Because once she got into the dumpster, Jane's like, all right, let's just photograph this and take her to the morgue. Like, that was all. <laughs> <laughs> and if I was more, I'd be like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I, took, I put this shit on. I'm in this damn thing. We're going to be here for a while. We're in it to win it. Exactly. People. I put my Tyvek suit on and everything. And, I mean, it seemed to me like she could have looked at the body from the outside. But I guess they were like, oh, we need to find a way to undress her for a little bit. and put her, Which was cute. Yeah. They, they were like, no. So how can we appropriately, right in here, Mora begins undressing? Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> I know. Dumpster dive. There you go. In a Tyvek suit. So the next scene, um, we head to Mara's office. Mara's just sitting there, and you see Jane walk in, and Mara immediately closes her laptop. So you know there's something going on with the laptop. <laughs> yeah, be more any, be any more I, obvious. I'm yeah, because nothing tells somebody that you have something that you don't want them to see, like just immediately closing your laptop lid. What you strategically do when somebody walks in and does that is you click on another page. <laughs> so of course, because Jane saw that, she tries to see what Mara's doing, and Mara's like, oh, I was just, you know, looking at the weather. That's all. I was just looking at the weather. And she lied again. Then when Jane moves some files across, she sees the drawing, which I was like, huh, you see? Some storylines carry on, sometimes. <laughs> Jane knows the truth. She's like, ha, you're lying. And she's like, no, I wasn't lying. I was actually looking at the weather, and on the screen at the bottom, there's, like, the weather <laughs> Of like the five-day forecast, which seemed like it was going to be sunny. Because it's always sunny in Rizzoli Niles, Boston. It never rains. Never. You know, I think it only rains like... Rizzoli Niles, Boston kind of looks a little bit like uh, L.A.? Yeah, I think it does. Just... Same weather as Los Angeles, California. Kind of weird. We should write the producers about that. I know. I mean, it probably only rained like twice for like two seconds. But other than that... It kind of reminds me of Los Angeles. Hmm. I wonder if it's filmed there. We're being sarcastic. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, we're being intentionally. Yes. So, Jane Mara looks at the at Hope's Wikipedia page. 
And we find out she's a pathologist also, just like Mara, and has many, many achievements. Like, she basically is, like, the Mother Teresa. Yeah, that's what I wrote, too, in my notes. And she is a saint. (laughs) (laughs) And then she has a daughter named Caitlin. Who is 18. Jane wants to concentrate on the case. That's all she wants to care. Because she keeps looking at the body. She's like, oh, okay, that's good and all. Mara's still talking about hope. She's just ignoring Jane. Like, uh, all she's talking about is hope. Oh, and she starts thinking that Hope doesn't want to meet her, especially now, given that Mara's face is all on the news. Yeah, being linked to Patty Doyle as her daughter. Maybe she's just getting back to Boston and she hasn't picked up a newspaper since she got back. Where she, They never really say where she's coming from, didn't they? Somewhere out of the country, I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to remember. But come on. I Well, okay, maybe. So you, just like Jane, were saying the same thing. Maybe, you know, she didn't get to that point in the newspaper. Maybe this happened. You never know. I mean, maybe maybe she thought that Patty had cheated on her and named another kid named Mara. And even Mara had this look like, uh, Yeah, she didn't even believe that. <laughs> yeah, I had the same look too. I was like, but the thing about it is this whole scene sort of reminds me of when Mara got kidnapped. And because Mara was, when Mara found out about Patty Doyle being her dad, and Jane said sperm donor and all that, Jane once was, you know, giving excuses to Patty Doyle. Like, you know, he's a good guy, even though he, he kills only bad people and stuff. And, you know, Mara was still the one like, no, this is just something's not right about this. And it's the same thing because Mara's like, I'm not as smart as her. She has more achievements. She's more, she's better. She doesn't want to see me. And Jane's the one like giving excuses. I thought it reminded me of that, but. She's trying to, ma- she's trying to make Mara feel better about herself without attacking her parents because she knows that she's going to take that personally. She's going to let that reflect back onto her. Right, because they're, well, yeah, because Mara, I would feel like she's really, sometimes she's really insecure. And, like, Jane is trying to help her when that happens. So that's really cool. But while this is going on, Jane scrolls down and she's like, oh, my God, she's in Boston? She's like, oh, come on. She's like, I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah, that's what she says. She says she don't believe in that. She said it's meant to be. And Mara still doesn't want to see her. <laughs> yeah. I, I Honestly, I can't blame her. I mean, coming from personal experience, meeting some, meeting someone like that, being older, you it puts a lot of pressure on you meeting them. Like, there's so many expectations. So, and Mara's freaked out. Like, it, what if she doesn't like her? What if Mara doesn't like her? What if she's a totally different person than what Mara's expecting? There is so much that weighs on that initial meeting. Mara's probably thinking, she doesn't want to meet me. Like, she's accomplished. She's already has a life. She has a daughter. Why would I bring pain to her and tell her, hey, by the way, I'm alive? Why would I need to do that? She doesn't need to know. She's already moved on. It's yeah. been 36 years. And Jane's still trying, like, no, but, it, you know, maybe she, she should know. And, I think, well, also, too, though, you have to think maybe Hope is freaking out. What if Mara doesn't want to meet Hope? What if she wants nothing to do with her? It could go both ways. It could exactly. go Hope hasn't made contact because she's worried about what Mara thinks. And so then Jane suggests that, suggests that an autopsy will make her feel better, which means, so this is what it, this is what Rizzo and Alice is telling us. Exercise equals happy Jane. Cutting up dead people equals happy Mara. <laughs> So then we head to the lobby, and Jane and Frost 
are going to interview the victim's husband. So the, the husband comes along. He's like, what is this about? Is this about the traffic ticket or something? And Jane's like, no, it's not. He's just like, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but we found your wife. He's like, what are you talking about? She's dead. Like, she's dead or something. And then Jane's like, where were you last night? And he's like, what? I was with my wife. And started calling the wife. And here in comes a woman carrying a baby. And then Jane and Frost look at each other like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and not just that too. He starts off; he is an immediate douchebag. Like you can't stand you can't stand that character from the beginning. They go to the the cafe and they're they're sitting down talking, and immediately he's like accusing his wife of it's her fault that she lost the wallet. It's her fault that she didn't realize her driver's license was missing. And he's yelling while the baby's sleeping in his arms. And it's to, to the point where the wife is like, "Stop it! You're gonna wake up the baby." Yeah. And then it gets to a point where Jade's like, stop it, you're going to wake up the baby. Yeah, and then Frost is finally like, shut up, I will arrest you for baby waking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks at Jane and shrugs his shoulders like, I don't know. He's like, I tried. I, I <laughs> and lo and behold, he wakes up the baby with his shouting. And the baby starts crying. Mm-hmm. And, she's, and the wife's like, well, thanks a lot. This is what you did. And they start arguing. Jade and Frost just look at each other. Like Frost is like, "We're my- I'm never having kids." <laughs> and Jade's like, "Yeah, neither am I." I'm like, "Keep that in mind, Jane. Keep that in mind." Jane's gonna adopt. <laughs> no, no, no kids. No kids. They're gonna adopt. Come on. Are you trying to tell me that Sasha wouldn't want to adopt a bunch of Mimara? children from Earth? <laughs> Sasha- <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Sasha. I know you don't listen to this, but hey. I wonder, are you planning on adopting any more kids? <laughs> I didn't mean Sasha. I meant Mora. Yeah. But are you trying to tell me that you can't see Mora wanting to adopt a bunch of kids from all over the world, from China, Africa, South America, just have a gaggle of children running around the house, all adopted? Don't have any kids now. Wait till, like, the last season. Hey, I'm going to adopt this kid, and then we're going to end the show. Well, you never know. Yeah, have the kid. Because it's not like we're going to see the kid every episode, just like in the other characters. The other <laughs> guest stars. We don't see them Mara, Mara adopts a baby, and then we never see the baby again. Exactly. And then we're going to be like, what happened to the baby? It doesn't even matter. The baby's there. And then one episode, the baby's 18 years old. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we don't see Joe Friday and Bass in every episode, but we know they exist. So let's just do that for the baby. Problem solved. There you go. That works. So, anyway, Frost and Jane, they discover, like, they figure out that maybe the victim used the ID to steal the identity. I want to say something about Jane's hair. In the cafe, sitting at the table, what was up with her hair? Normally, Jane's hair has this purposely tangled mess look, but it always looks nice. I, I, I mean, I always like Jane's hair. It's thick, it's curly, or it's you know, wavy, but it always looks like it's purposely done like that. Her hair was, like, all over the place. There was, like, one part that was sticking, like, up, out of the side of her head. And I'm just thinking, what happened to her hair? Who's in charge of that? They didn't do a good job. Really? Yes. I might have to look at it. I have to look back and see what happened. Like, her hair is sticking out in places in that scene. I think I was more distracted by her hair than I was distracted by the guy yelling. You know, I got it. I got it. 
Jane said autopsy, but really, that was code word for sex. She just had sex with Mara. <laughs> and that's sex hair. I got it. She's oh. like, oh, I know it would make you feel better. Let's do a little quickie right quick. That very well could be. There we go. I think you're thinking. And they did it. They were just talking. They were just talking. About the autopsy. They were just talking about the autopsy, and, and, and Mara was no, knew exactly what was going on from all the fracking. <laughs> we're back at BPD, heading towards Jane's desk, and Jane starts to walk in and then freaks the fuck out and hides behind the doorway. Yeah, and Frost and Corsac's like, what's, what's the matter? What's going on? She's like, oh my god, she's here? What is she doing here? And we see that a nun is there. And I was like, oh no. Childhood memories now. <laughs> she had a flashback. It was like Apocalypse Now style. While she's freaking out, Sister Winifred Sister, Sister Winifred Callahan Yes. Was like, I know you're out there, Jane Clementine Rizzoli. <laughs> Frosted Corsac, look at her like, your middle name is Clementine? <laughs> She's like, hi, Sister Winifred. <laughs> Jane hiding from somebody. I mean, can you? I just can't even. Yeah, so apparently this nun was her second grade teacher. She starts revealing that Jane had a C in conduct. And I was like, oh. That makes sense. That's totally Conduct? Okay. No, they call it comportment. Yeah, that's what he said. And that's what, of course, I said, what's comportment? And they said conduct. But I could totally see Jane having a C. Well, what the sister holds against her, though, she broke a window with her foot. And Jane was like, I was seven. And I was trying to kill a fly. <laughs> Who tries to kill a fly with their foot? I don't know. <laughs> a seven-year-old kid. Oh, uh, I wish, I hope, future episode, we have a flashback of young Jane and young Frankie and just see them. And then, like, maybe a flashback of, like, young Mora. You know? I could totally go for a flashback episode. Oh, yeah, and the nun also mentioned that, um... She says, um, with twice within a ten-second period. Yes, in that I'm so surprised that you're on this side of the law. (laughs) And she calls her Miss Rizzoli, and Jane goes, it's Detective Rizzoli. (laughs) She corrected her. I was like, oh, yay. Good for you, Jane. I love seeing terrified Jane. (laughs) She's just so scared of this nun. So we head to the morgue, and the first thing Jane says, like, I can't believe Sister Bitcher is here. I know. Sister Bitcher. (laughs) I was like, oh, they did not. They totally did. Mars like, what's the big deal about this this nun or whatever? And Jane starts talking about her childhood like memories. Like she was just so mad at me because I misspelled flamboyant. Mara asks her, why was the word flamboyant on the second grade spelling test at a Catholic school? Because even then, <laughs> even then, everybody knew about Jane. Exactly. <laughs> So then Jane and Mara, they look over the body. They discover that the cause of death was a head trauma from a fall. And the funny thing about it was that while this was going on, Jane was like, oh, yeah, she just woke up one morning. It's like, ah, my head hurts. Ah." (laughs) And then Mara makes a comment. It takes longer when you make jokes. And Jane's responds with, I would poke my eyes out with with a scalpel if I didn't make jokes. (laughs) So Frost comes in, and he comes in, he's like, oh, I can't stand Sister Win- Winnie. And Jay's like, no, don't call her that. 
<laughs> she hates that. <laughs> Especially after Jane was singing Winnie the Poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she got in trouble for it. <laughs> oh, young Jane is so creative. So Mara was looking through the, the fingers and said, oh, I found a finger that might help with a fingerprint so we can identify the victim. And it's not as burnt as bad as the others. And she said she read a way to, to remove, I guess, the burn or something. And an article she read, and the article's from Hope. Jane's like, oh, really? Maybe we should call Hope. And she's like, no. And she cuts a finger. <laughs> yeah, Frost is like, oh, no, you're not. And then right while he's saying that, she just chops the finger off. And she's like, how else am I supposed to get the fingerprint? You know, I need to uh, cut off the finger. Frost is like, oh, you did. <laughs> yeah, and so he, like, he's, he's like, like wobbling. And then he slowly, like, leans down. <laughs> you know what, he, wo- he wobbles, like, he wobbles, like, after you, uh, when you're playing Mortal Kombat. And they, like, finish him. (laughs) Yeah. And then he leans down, and Jane goes, (laughs) K.O. She's like, are you okay? He's like, I'm tying my shoes. And then Jane's like, there's no laces on those shoes. Yeah. And then he just faints. He passes out, laying on the floor. Yeah, and Mara's like, oh, my God, Detective Frost? And then... Oh. I know, and the fact that no one's rushing to him. I know. Jane stands there giggling. She's like, yeah, she is giggling. She's laughing her ass off. She's like, ha ha, he passed out. So we head back to Jane's desk area, and it's Corsac and Sister Winnie. She throws away a mug that says nuns are awesome. Yeah, after she she shows it to Corsac and is like, this is what one of my students got me. What? That's so mean. So Corsac's like, I think nuns are awesome. And she's like, awesome is a bad word for the English language or something. I was like, whatever. (laughs) Then she complains about the coffee being bitter. I'm like, yeah, like your personality. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and Corsac offers to make her, you know, another pot of coffee. And she responds with, oh, no, it'd probably be bitter as well. God, why are you complaining if you don't want anything to change? Yeah, but she has all these files on her desk, and Corsac goes through them, and she has files of Hellraisers. And Jane happens to be one of those Hellraisers. And you see her little, like, report card of the conduct of, like, the bees and the seas and all this. (laughs) And her cute little picture. Yeah, which, by the way, is actually Angie Harmon as a kid. Is Uh, it? Yeah. So, yeah, so after that... In walks Frankie and Frost, and it's so funny. Frankie has the exact reaction, just like Jane. He freaks out. Before he can turn around and run away, the nun's like, Well, hello, Francesco. (laughs) Yeah, Frost runs into the back of him because he stops in his tracks. And Frost is like, Francesco? (laughs) Really, dude? It starts teasing Frankie, and the nun goes and asks, Well, what is your real name? And Frost's like, Harold. And then the nun's like, I can't hear you. Can you speak up? And he's like, barreled. And Frankie's like, barreled? <laughs> and the nun hits him with a ruler. I know. She she whacks him on the shoulder. I would snatch that. Uh-uh. I would snatch it out of her hand so quick and snap that ruler in half. The first thing. Okay, I know she's a nun and all. And they were their, that's her, that was their teacher when they were in second grade. But first of all, they're not in second grade anymore. You can't discipline them anymore. B... You just hit an officer. I'm pretty sure that's broke a law. There's something called assaulting an officer. 
mm-hmm. what she just did. We head to the lab. She she's writing on the board. She's trying to figure things out, and she's trying to get this experiment on this finger for the prints to work. But she's having a hard time. And so Jane keeps saying, you know, we should call Hope. Hope has done this. It's worked. Mars like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna figure this out. And Jade's like, I really want to solve this case. Like, I have tickets to see the Red Sox tonight. I really want to go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's like, huh, we only got 45 minutes in this episode. We really need to get this. Gotta get this. <laughs> we need to get this moving along. So Mara makes up her mind. She's like, okay, I'm gonna call her. Gonna call her. She's calling Hope, and you hear it ring, and and she answers Dr. Martin, and <laughs> Mara just sits there in silence, and she doesn't do anything, and then she throws the phone at Jane. Like, her and Jane are arguing. She's like, I can't say anything. And Jane's like, answer, answer it. And she's like, I can't do it. She just throws the phone at Jane. (laughs) And so Jane picks up the phone. She's like, hi, this is so-and-so from Dr. Mara's office, the chief medical examiner of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Please hold for Dr. Mara. (laughs) She's like, oh, you see, I hate cell phones. Anyway, I was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She's like, hi, I was just, we were working on a case and we need your expertise, so I was wondering if you can uh, come over to our headquarters and help us with this case. Oh, you'll be here in 30 minutes? Okay, great, thank Bye. And she hangs up the phone. I know. And Mara's like, half an hour. <laughs> and Jane's like, I don't know, you gave me the phone, I don't know what to do. And so Jane leaves freaking out because Mara's freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great scene that played off of Angie and Mara's chemistry of each that friendship that they have. You keep saying their real names. Huh? You said Angie and Mara. Oh. <laughs> that's a, well, that time I meant to say Angie and Sasha yeah. to create that scene. Yeah. I mean, that's something that you can't just do without having a foundation of good friendship. So we head to the cafe, and Mara and Jane walks in, and the cafe, and Mara's like, "Is it too late to call in sick? Because I really don't want to do this." And Jane reassures her, like, no, everything's going to be fine. We're going to do this. We're going to solve this case. Everything's going to be good. So while she's saying that, she looks ahead, and Angela just decorated the whole cafe about this this campaign. (laughs) And I'm like, have you not learned, Angela, about the blog? Yes. And Jane says to her, Kavanaugh is going to kill you. (laughs) Jane is saying this because the candidate is soft on crime. And that not just Kavanaugh would be mad, but everyone in the whole precinct is, is does not like him. And then, while this is going on, Giovanni is, like, putting pepper, ground pepper, on a slice of pizza. Who does that? But he doesn't just put the pepper on a slice of pizza. He's singing it while he's putting pepper on pizza. <laughs> he's like, put the pepper, 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 pepper on the pizza. Or something like this. And if you look... And Morris and Jane's face, and they're just like, oh my god. And Jane tells him to never do that again. <laughs> I was thinking that, too. I was like, I'm never gonna be able to forget that. Every time I use pepper, now I'm gonna be like, put the pepper, the pepper, pepper <laughs> on my food. <laughs> Giovanni's like, hey, you know, if you ever, and Jane's like, you'll be the first one on the list. Uh... And again, no reaction from Angela. <laughs> So Angela comes along. I don't even know how Angela knew. Maybe Jane told her. But Angela tries to help Mara with this whole hope dilemma. She's like, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be good. 
she's like, is there anything I can do? And Mara's like, well, I, I already, she's like, I already have a mother. I was like, really? Because I have no idea where the fuck she is. <laughs> she was in the hospital. And that's the last time I saw her. And just like, I know, I'm gonna try, do you want anything to eat? Anything to drink? And she suggests coffee. So Mara goes down the list like, okay, this is how I want my coffee to be. And I was just like, oh my god. She was going like, I'm only like half percent and don't do this and start with this, but don't do that and all this stuff. And Jane was rolling her eyes like, oh, just take <laughs> regular coffee. Yeah, just I want coffee. Say it with me. <laughs> I want coffee. But the cute thing about it was that Angela knew it. Like, Angela yep. knew exactly how Mara wants her coffee. And I'm like, this is so cute. Mara says, is no stir. And as she's about to say why she doesn't want to stir, Hope walks in and says, it's because it leaves a bitter aftertaste. Yes. And then she starts talking about what the stir is made of. And she's basically like Wikipedia. Yeah, <laughs> like, she has that whole Wikipedia moment that Mara always has. So Jane and Angela, they start introducing themselves. Like, Angela's like, hi, I'm Detective Jane Rizzoli's mother. And Jane's like, hi, I'm Jane. And this was so cute because, like, the whole time, because she, like, goes and, like, has her hand around Mara's, like, and this is Dr. Mara Owls. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It was like she was introducing, like, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, Jane is already meeting her... Second mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, her, her biological mother-in-law. <laughs> and Hope's like, nice to meet you. And Mara just starts going on about the the case or whatever, and she just starts babbling. And while this is going on, she starts breaking out of hives. Because, like, Hope's like, are you okay? Because she said the uh, medical term of it. And Angela's like, oh, my God, you're breaking out in hives. And she's like, oh, my God, I don't know. And Angela's like, oh, no, I think it's the Brazil nuts that you ate that's breaking you out. And Jade's like, yeah, I told you not to eat those Brazil nuts. And I was like, haha, Mars allergic to nuts. <laughs> and then Hope's like, where's your um, EpiPen? Do you have it? And then Mars just like point somewhere <laughs> we head to the lab this is my favorite scene throughout the whole episode this was so good okay so it's with hope and mara and hope is explaining how she came up with the experiments and mara is like looking at hope like she's actually studying her like all her mannerisms mara starts asking why she became why hope became a pathologist First, she said, I feel like it was some sort of, like, she felt like she was punished or something like that. I don't know how she explained it. But she goes on, she's like, I feel like I have to speak for the dead. And I flipped my shit. I was like, oh, what? Because yes. that's exactly what Mora feels. I, I agree. Because I was watching that episode, and you were watching it with me. And I even asked, I was like, didn't Mara say that? Yes. She said the same thing Mara said. Ugh. Oh. This, is, this couldn't get any better. So Mara agrees with her. She's like, I feel the same way. And she says, every victim is someone's child. That victim that we're helping is someone's daughter. And Hope says, that's the reason why I do it, because she is someone's daughter. And I was like, oh, God. So then Mara asks why Hope said she was punishing herself. And she said her she feels like her punishment was getting pregnant at 18. And she lost a baby. And then she feels like maybe it was a good thing since her father was evil. 
And I was like, oh. Yeah, that was pretty heartbreaking. They removed the sword from my chest. <sighs> <laughs> she didn't just remove it. She dove it and then removed it. Exactly. She's hopes like, I've never told anyone that. She's like, but I, she's like, maybe because we're doctors or something, but I feel like a, I feel like it's a kinship between you, and I don't understand why. And Mara's like, I feel the same way, too. And I was like, oh, oh, my feelings. <laughs> but anyway, we head to the cafe, and Giovanni gives Angela a gift, which happens to be an American flag-style sexy one-piece bathing suit. Oh, my God. The scene. I was dying. Because <laughs> Giovanni's, Giovanni's like, you should wear this, Mrs. Riz. You look hot. <laughs> and he's hitting on Angela. And Angela's like, you get away from me, Giovanni. I swear to God, I will stab you in, to pieces and send you to your mother. <laughs> and poor Giovanni. I couldn't help but feel bad for him, though. He was saying that he's lonely. And I'm just like, oh, poor Giovanni. Aww. He's like, he has a hard time. He's having a hard time finding someone. We are Giovanni. Oh, God, I'm Giovanni. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. Because <laughs> every TV show that we watch, I'm like, oh, she's hot. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here, and I'm just like, oh, here we go again. I just realized I'm Giovanni. And it's not like you say it one time. Like, even if it's the same character, you don't say it one time. Every single time the person's on the <laughs> damn screen. And I'm like... <laughs> And I'm just thinking, like, holy shit, this person's the main character, which means she's going to be in every single scene. And you're like, oh, the camera moved. Oh, she's on it. She's on I it. can't oh. help it. I have word vomit when that kind of thing happens. And she's like, oh, my God, she's so hot. Oh, my God. So after this, Giovanni asks for Angela, ex Angela for a mom hug because he feels so lonely. And so oh, yeah. he practically squeezes her. And Angela's like, okay, all right. Okay, I don't know. So then we head to the scene where I despised the most. We head to the lab. We have Jane, Hope, and Mara. And Hope and Mara, there's they the experiment worked and they got a fingerprint. And so Jane starts to scan it. And so Hope's like, Great job, Dr. Isles, and hugs Mara. And then Mara starts to cry. And then this is what I did not like about the scene. They were trying to make it funny, and to me, it shouldn't be funny at all. Right. I mean, she... Okay, Hope hugs Mara. Mara knows the situation, like, I, this is the first time she's hugging her by the, the person who created her. <laughs> this is her biological mom. And she could have still been crying, but it could have been more of, like, a serious cry, if that makes sense. Like, she could have cried, and then... Hope could have been like, oh my god, what's going on? And then Jane's like, uh, I don't know. And then could have, like, <laughs> left her or something. Or, like, Mara could have left. Like, Mara could have, instead of staying there, she could have been like, excuse me, and then leaves and goes to her office or something. And then Hope could have been, oh, I wonder what happened. And then Jane's just like, ah, oh, she's just having a bad day or something. Just like, oh, and then Hope could have been like, oh, well, I guess I should go now. Uh, this was fun. Uh, just tell Mara that I would like to have lunch with her sometimes. And I'm like, okay. And then Hope would have left. Jane would have walked where Mara is to comfort Mara and be like, are you okay? Or something like that. Then I would have been like, that's a great scene. But to make it funny, I was like, that's just totally inappropriate right now. 
That's why I hate it. Because it was it had so much going for it. It was getting to a perfect episode, and they just ruined it. I mean, she starts crying, and then Jane's like, oh, she cries every time we solve. We're getting close to solving a case. And then Hope's like, oh, okay, all right. And then Mars like, yeah, I really cry, whatever. And then that stupid, like, annoying, like, co- comedic music in the background. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I didn't like it. I don't know. But am I the only one, or? No, uh, I get where you're coming from. But at the same time, the episode has had a humorous take from the very beginning. So I don't know if they felt by making it serious, it would take away from the humor that the episode has led with so far. So I kind of understand why they didn't make it a heavy scene, because they wanted to keep it on that same emotional level. No. Well, okay, I could see what you're saying, but at the same time, if that's the case, then the scene where Jane and Mara was looking at the laptop, or the scene before with Hope and Mara, that was a serious scene. That was a very serious scene and well-done scene. A scene where Hope and Mara met for each other, like that moment, that was sort of serious. And yeah, the high part was funny, but for the beginning, it was sort of serious, kind of. So, I mean, they didn't have to, I mean, if they wanted to be like, oh, I need to have a funny scene at that part, not necessarily because they had Giovanni and the nun to have that part covered. I mean, we just got back from a hilarious scene. It could have been fine just to have a serious thing. I mean, this is like, this is like her her mom hugging her. I'm, yeah. I, it's just like, there's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. No, I, and, and I, and I agree. I do think it was a bit out of character for Mora to do that cry. I don't even know what kind of cry that is. And I, and then the whole time I was watching it, I felt so bad for the actors because I was like, how can they go through this? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I guess I wish that... I don't know. I couldn't work I on the show. I wish that you would step out from that ledge, ledge my friend. <laughs> <laughs> After Hope starts to leave and suggests they should do lunch, because she's like, I gotta pick up my daughter, uh, Mara does that funny uh, cry again, which I was just rolling my eyes. Jane's like, I'm so happy for you. This is so great. When are you gonna tell her the truth? And then Mara cries. She's like, never, I'm never going to tell her. I'm never going to tell her. And then Jane's like, oh, my God, what have, I, what have I done? So we're at the break, and the crazy sister is dictating what people should be doing and hitting them with rulers. So they're talking about, they figure out that the, vic- the victim was a legal intern, and um, her name was Emma. So Frankie comes in. She's, he's like, I can't take this nun anymore. He's like, I'm going to run away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Frankie is just done. Yeah. And so Frost teases, he's like, oh, you're scared of the nun, Francesco? Yeah, <laughs> I love this. They're giving each other so much shit about their names. And he's like, okay, Barold. <laughs> and so after after the, all the fighting, Frost asks Frankie to come with him to interview the victim's boss. So they leave, and then Jane says, Barold? <laughs> We head to the DA's office, and her boss, which, by the way, I totally recognize. I'm like, oh my gosh, she, she used to be on Dreamgirls, the movie, with Jennifer Hudson. But she says the victim, her name's Emma, right? Yes. Yeah, Emma was very professional, had no problems, and she said, but it got weird the last couple of weeks because she asked for some time off. And then Frost and Frankie, they start teasing each other about their names again. 
And even Frost is like, okay, we really need to stop. We really need to stop this. So we head to the interrogation room. We have Frost and Frankie. They're interviewing the victim's brother. He said that's the only family he had and that they were really close and that she was sending him an email every day saying that she's okay and fine or something like that. I'm like, I guess he didn't get the email because she's dead. Why didn't he report it, though? See, okay, so every day you get an email from your sister saying, hey, everything's going great, or hey, I'm really tired, every single day. And then all of a sudden, for one week, you don't get anything? No, he said today. The day he, she got, the day that she died was the last day, which was, like, that night before. So, because we're, this is, remember, dude, this is the same, dude, I just realized, this is the same as day. This is the same day that we went from Mars Place to the dumpster. It's the same yeah, day. Yeah, you notice that? I noticed that because Hope was dressed in the same clothing. Yeah, and Mara. Everyone was dressed in the same clothing. Yeah. So she Wait, was probably okay, saying... So it was the next day that they found the body? Well, they didn't really say, but I'm guessing, yeah. So that would mean that she got the he got the email yesterday, because it was nighttime when it happened. Mm-hmm. And then he was probably waiting for the email, because we don't know. He didn't say what time. He didn't say if it was morning or night or whatever. It was still daytime, so he's probably waiting for the email. And he just hasn't received it yet. So he's like, oh, I'm waiting for it. Maybe she's been a little late. That makes sense then. I don't know why I got one week stuck in my head. It's been one week since your book. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to start singing random tunes every time we say a lyric. It's random 90s music. I wish that I knew what I know now. When I was <laughs> When we are at the beginning of Resilient Isles. <laughs> yes. I, I, I hope that when the, whenever the series ends, I can look back and be like, you know, I don't regret that. Yeah. If I have a feeling, I'm going to be like, why did I even do Yeah, that? you're going to be singing that song and be like, I wish I knew that. No, 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 When it first started. <laughs> oh, so we head to Jane's desk. So Jane is sitting there. She's eating her peanut butter and fluff and talking to Frost about the case. When Sister Bitcher walks over and hits Jane with the ruler, telling her to sit up straight. And I was like, come on. I Seriously, know. Jane can't do anything straight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. She can't do anything straight, and Mars allergic to nuts. I see where this is going. <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I... You totally made me stop and think, like, wait, what? It should be, instead of throwing down the gauntlet, it should be, like, throwing down the gay. (laughs) (laughs) Just. Anyway. So Jane's eating her PB and fluff, and continues eating her PB and fluff. And as she's trying to take a bite, sister Winifred keeps clearing her throat. (laughs) She's like, and Jane asks her if she needs a cough drop. And she tells Jane that she shouldn't she be thanking, what'd she say? Give she's, thanks or something? Yeah, she said, like, should you be thanking God for that sandwich? And Jane's like, yeah, thank you for this peanut butter fluff sandwich, even though I wish there was more peanut butter. And less fluff. <laughs> and less fluff. Frost is looking up where, trying to trace where the emails were being sent from, and they figure out it was from some room at the DA's office or below the DA's office or something like that. So they go there and Jane calls it a secret lair. 
Basically, it looks like it is. It's got like newspaper clippings and pictures of a girl on the wall, which we come to find out it was a girl that had been murdered previously, in, like 10 years ago, and that the girl murdered was the victim's best friend. So we start to figure out the motive behind her trying to steal the identity and going to DA's office. But I don't know. I, well, in the, the whole 10-year thing, so they would have put the victim at 27. I kind of found it a little hard. Either she's late going into uh, law school, but to be 27 and still an intern at the DA's office. I mean, looking at the times now and the economy, an internship is it's it's great at any age. So we head to the morgue. And they, what do they call that? Huh? In, not in, oh, they called it a soap mummy. Yeah, they dig up the the body, and they find out that the that the BFF, which name was Izzy, by the way, was strangled, and that she was hit in the face. They were saying that the body was found in an old lady's basement. Mars like, so did the old lady do it? And Jane's like, uh, no. And she's like, she's so doubtful. No, she said doubtful, and she's like, and Mars says doubtful. So she might have killed her? And Jane says, no. <laughs> and then Mara responds with, them, then why did you say doubtful? And Jane just grins. And she's, she goes, I just wanted you to know what uncertainty felt like. <laughs> Which, when she does that, Mara just, like, has his face and her little lip, like, her bottom lip just, like, trembles a bit. And she's like, <laughs> she's like mm, and she starts crying. And then Jane's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she goes to she goes into full on girlfriend panic mode. Jane gives her some tissues, and she's like, "I'm just I don't just everything is just making me cry right now." She's <laughs> like, "I'm just crying about everything," and and she's like, "I usually don't cry about these things." And she starts talking about why she started crying because she's saying that her mom calls her an evil child, and she doesn't okay. want her to know that she's that evil child. And Jane's like. That's ridiculous. She did not say that at all. And so at this point, I was like, come on, Jane, hug her. So then Corsac walks in and talking about the clues he found on the body, which I can care less. And then he's like, what's wrong, Mara? And, and Jane's like, allergies, those Brazil nuts. She's really hurts <laughs> those Brazil nuts. And so Corsac's okay, uh, right then. And so he leaves and then in walks Hope. And she's like, oh, I was, she said something about, I was just getting my, my parking pass done. And so she's like, I just want to stop by. And then she looks, she's like, oh, uh, you have a mummy or something. She's like, yeah, soap mummy. Yeah, soap mummy. Is it 10 years old? And Mara's like, oh my God, you're amazing. (laughs) And so Fox walks in and says that the victim tried to be a nanny. Okay. So then we had to the interview room and Jane and Frost... They're interviewing the nanny agency's boss, I guess. Yeah, the the lady that owned the the nanny service. Yeah, and she yeah. goes she goes on saying that well, basically, it's revealed that she didn't really screen the victim completely, and that the reason why she was hired so fast because the original nanny she was 60 years old and accused of having cocaine. But yeah, <laughs> she was saying that the victim had great skills and that she was a nanny for. McGregor. Okay, so we head to Jane's desk. It is Jane and Frost. They fi- Frost finds out that the victim made the accused call, and Jane's like, "Of course, she would do anything to be the nanny." And they try to figure out. 
So Ross walks over to their like little murder board or whatever it is that they put all their evidence on. As he's handling that, Sister Winifred comes over and is like, thank you, Beryl, for keeping the streets safe. As uh, Frost continues doing what he's doing, the sister is sweeping up and Jane looks at her and tells her, you know, we have a cleaning staff for that. So she asks Jane if she's forgotten the Tidy Desk song. (laughs) And Jane's like, no. So Jane starts singing it. This was the best moment ever. No, Tidy Desk and Tidy Chair, Tidy Tidy Everywhere. Then Jane starts doing her own little dance where tidy farts and whitey butts, I can see your underwear. Yeah. <laughs> and she turns around and it like sticks her butt out. And then the nun is just standing there staring at Jane and she just walks away. And even Jane had to take a moment like, oh, wow, did I just do that? Yeah. Yes, because Jane totally reverted back into a seven-year-old child at that moment. So Mara walks in, and she's, she's like, a little girl. She's, like, so excited. She's like, oh, she likes, she likes this type of food, and she loves science fiction. And Jane's like, the mummy? She's like, no, Hope, my my new friend. She, she was about to say my mom. She's like, my new, my new friend. I know. That was kind of cute, though. That was kind of cute. And she said, and even Jane's like, oh, I, that's, that's really nice, Mara. She's like, yeah. We're going to go hang out together once Hope gets settled. Jane asks if that's the file is for the DNA or something, and Mars like that she got results from the mummy that the victim was was roofied. Frost and Corsac they start interviewing him and his campaign manager. They they're showing pictures like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And they both deny. Like they said, oh that's the nanny, and so they're like, oh the nanny died. And so they asked, do you know, like, the young 17-year-old girl? And they said, no, we don't know her. Right. So then we head to Mara's office. Like, there was something in the mummy's face that showed that that she was hit by a gauntlet. And so Jane says, I bet McGregor has a knight statue in this house. They find a piece of metal that apparently broke off from the force of when the victim was struck with the gauntlet. In slag apparently was one of the is what you call part of the metal. This is when I realized that I watched too much British television because immediately I start cracking up and I'm like, she said slag? Because slag is a kind of a derogatory term. In Urban Dictionary, it's defined as an individual who cares not for relationships beyond the realm of the sexual. These people sleep with many partners not caring about anything save for the moment of climax. I didn't know that, but now I do. (laughs) Yes, that's your did you know moment. (laughs) Jane says, I bet you there's a knight at that house at that mansion. So she calls Corsac and she tells Corsac, hey, can you bring the knight to the lab? We head to the lab. Jane is impatient, like always, because Mara is trying to figure out the, the gauntlet is the same gauntlet that hit the face. And Jane just like, I can't take this anymore. And she like, she takes the gauntlet and she, she said, she's like, what are you, Mara's like, what are you doing? And she's like, really, Mara? Seriously? She's basically saying, hmm, let me see. What family has Scottish connections who would have a 500-year-old suit of armor just laying around? And basically, Jane is mocking how easy it is to solve this murder. 
She's like, come on, come on, Ryers, give me a fucking challenge here. She does a blood test, and you're like, oh, it's blood. Ding, ding, ding. Frost comes in, and he's like, guess what I found? And there's, like, this book, and basically a show, like, McGregor and the manager, they both went to camp with both of the victims. And then Mars like, huh. She she wants to figure out the, the case. And Jane's like, what are you doing? That's guessing. And Mars like, no, that's theorizing. And I was like, <laughs> which is guessing. <laughs> they start theorizing about, I mean, all of them. They're like, oh, I'll take it. And I think this has happened. Oh, and I think this happened. And they're just going around in a circle of, like, how they figured out how the killers killed the victims. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. basically the victim took the nanny job to find out, find the clues of her best friend's murder and then was murdered for it. That's all they have to say. But they just kept going. And I was like, I got it. It's, I... Sometimes they take way too long to say what we know they're going to say. McGregor, we go to McGregor's house and Jane and Frost is there. And basically the campaign manager was jealous that Izzy like mcgregor and not him so he killed best friend and then mcgregor helped bury the body and well what they try to do at the beginning of the scene though they're immediately trying to make you think that it's mcgregor i was watching this before we even like we meet mcgregor mcgregor for the first time and they're trying to implicate that it's him and jake can even say i was like no no, that's too easy. It's not him. It's the it's the other guy. It's the campaign manager. Right. So you even know. Even when they try to pull the wool over your eyes, it doesn't work. Why did try, why are they trying to do this? They're like, oh, it's not. No, we do. It's, it's, it's a different thing if this was the only crime show ever. And we're like, oh, this is the first time crime show ever. I never would have given this. There's like 12 million of these, these, these shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. You're, I'm like, this is not 1960 or 1970 where you're like, oh, I can't believe they totally did that to us. It's 2012. Get with the program. That's like, you, it's like the writers are playing with the original Game Boy, which you need four triple, like four double A batteries and there's no color. <laughs> and you're over there playing with an Xbox going, hey. But yeah, so... They both get arrested, and Jane's like, huh, now the campaign's over, and I'm like, why? Why did you have to say that? It's like, it's like, it's, it reminds me of that baseball episode. Huh, it was just a base hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all the, the baseball references. Like, now the campaign's over. <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> so we head to Dirty Robber. Jane and Mara, they're there. So, so Jane and Mara, they see the nun, and she's drinking alone, and she's reading a book. And Mara's like, do you think we should, you know, sit with her? And she's like, no, 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 no. And the nun's like, I prefer being alone. And so Jane's like, whatever. So Jane's like, all right, I'm going to sit with you now. Cause you yeah. Alone. She's like, can I get you another beer? <laughs> and the nun's like, no. I And she said, I was just leaving. And so the flap of the cover of the book, it, like... Um, it reveals the real book that she is reading, which is called On the Angel's Wings of Desire. <laughs> which I can totally see that being the title of like a religious based romance love story that you see at like Barnes and Nobles when you accidentally walk over, 
wander into the religion section. Exactly. That's basically yeah. their twilight. <laughs> it, it is. The nun is like, she's like, actually, is what she said, Sounds of Fury or something. And yeah, Sound in the Fury. She says she's reading Faulkner's Sound in the Fury. Yeah, and she... She puts her book up, and she leaves, and Jane and Mar are cracking up laughing so loud. They're even teasing her. Even Mar's like, <laughs> she's brooding on the angels' wings of desire. Like, she... <laughs> and, like, they're just cracking up laughing. And she's, and they're like, I don't think nuns are supposed to read that, aren't they? I don't know. Giovanni shows up. Giovanni is all sad and... Uh, Jane's like, come on, come on, come on, G, come on, just sit, sit with us. And then Mara's like, well, you look hot. I, <laughs> I know. When she said that, I was like, oh man, that was, that was awesome. For, for more to be like, you look hot. <laughs> and then Jane's <laughs> laughing, and 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 Giovanni's like, no, no, I'm not hot. But yeah, so he's sad about the candidate because you know he's in jail. And then Giovanni was talking about. I don't know, maybe I should run myself. And, like, Jane and Mara just looked at each other like, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then he's like, president. <laughs> uh, Jane's like, look, you know, if you do president, all your interns, maybe you'd be like, no skirts day. <laughs> and then it ends. And that was the end of 305. Amanda, what was your gaydar ping? I gave it a two for this episode, which is witty banter. I gave it another one. Just friends. Oh my god. I enjoy. I think this episode was way better than the last two. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's been so far, the last three episodes has been just friends. There has not been anything that I'm like, oh, that was totally, totally good. Like, there's no... (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go to our code case. So we got an email from a listener, and it's... Whose name is Maria Elena. So basically she's saying, this is what she says. She says, Jane Amanda, curious to hear your thoughts on these points. Number one, how common is the name Mara in Boston? Patty plus Hope equals Mara Doyle. Dr. Mara Isles is approximately the same age as Mara Doyle would have been and is dead. Is a dead ringer for you, Hope. Can we buy a clue? <laughs> I get that. I, even Jane mentioned it, too, this episode, saying maybe she thought it was another Mara. There was a little part of me in this episode that I could not get. I mean, there's a little part of me, I think, like, I think Hope knows. There's yeah. A little, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, well, the lab scene, when they're when they're working together to find out the fingerprint, I, I, am, I am, like, 95% sure that at that point is when Hope realized that Mara is her daughter. Hope came back to Boston, realizing everything that happened with Mara and Patty. She knew who Mara was when Mara called her. That's why she was willing to be there within half an hour and went into that knowing who Mora was. And Hope hasn't said anything because Mora hasn't said anything. Ooh. So that's another that's another option there. Yeah, and she so happens to return to Boston at the, around the time after the whole Mora Doyle thing. But the counter argument could be what everything that she said about Patty and, and running away from her mistakes and, and stuff like that could also be construed as cold. Okay, so number two. Is there some numerological significance to the number 18? If memory serves, rewatching the episode, Hope was 18 when she had Mara. Hope's new daughter is now 18. Mara must have been 18 when Hope's new daughter was born, since she's 36 now. 
per Jane, she probably hasn't thought of Patty in 36 years. I feel like there's no significance because it's Rizzoli Nails. If it was. <laughs> if it was like a J.J. Abrams show, you know that shit would mean something. It totally. Everything on that show or any show of J.J. Abrams means something. All the numbers, they mean something. Totally. Uh, but since it's Rizzoli Nails, I think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, anything important. But who knows? Maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe, I don't know. But I, I don't I don't think so. And she said number three. Wow, Giovanni's t-shirt is major foreshadowing. That is, yes, totally. Number four. Why didn't Angela ask about Giovanni's comment to Jaden Mars about batting for the other team? Especially after his comment in the reunion episode about Maria's tits in front of Angela. <laughs> yes, because, see, maybe she's just started to ignore G- Giovanni or just tune him out. Because when he, when Angela asked, you know, what does that mean? Jane was just like, I'll explain it to you later. (laughs) And she just kind of brushed Angela off. But Angela has mom ears. She hears all and sees all. There's no way that that batting for the other team comment went over her head. Yeah, I think it's also possible that Jane and Mara explained the situation. Like, by the way, we told Jane about a mere couple. Just go with it. Just go with it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. They might have. Number five. Did Mar don her Tyvek suit with her heels on? Isn't it lucky she was wearing pants rather than a dress? It is. It was very lucky. I noticed she was wearing pants this whole episode, which I love when she wears pants. And lastly, number six. Wasn't was the term BFF even used? See scrapbook. Ten years ago, when Isabel disappeared. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say I was fourteen. It yeah. It was definitely being used back then. Definitely. Definitely. So it would be in 2002. I think BFF came around sometime in the 90s. I'm pretty sure. When everybody started abbreviating everything. That's all for this episode. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at The Randy Podcast. Also, visit our blog at TheResultingNilesPodcast.blogspot.com where you can comment and email. Thank you for listening. And this case is closed. <laughs>